yeah, everything that I post, I want other people to like me. Obviously, that's the whole point of it. It's like, you know, this this feedback yeah. loop of of I post something I'm proud of and other people tell me they're proud of me and and you want that. And that's what well, humans need it. We and mm -hmm. so when like that gets disrupted though, and you put out you're kind of vulnerable and you put something out hoping that you get a good return and somebody shits on it, it yeah. hurts a lot. I can't believe that so many people do it because I don't think there's anybody out there, if they're being honest, can say, yeah, somebody can talk crap about me and it wouldn't affect me whatsoever. You know, that's a lie. And then the, uh, then the, I mean, haven't gone good. I feel like the last one, the, the Stan and the, um, and the Clark one people liked a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say like synthesis from those like today talking to the audience here, like, what I got out of both of them is basically just consistency. That was like huge, both of them. Like I've been doing this every day, same thing over and over. Like I know we harp on it all the time, but it's nice to hear it from leaders in the industry who have the, I don't know, pedigree. You know, they they have their all their background showing that it's that's legit. And both of them just were basically like, I work hard and I do it every single day, you know? Yep. Yep. Which is what you've been preaching always, I guess I do too, you know, small things add up. Yeah, exactly. It was cool. Yeah. I really liked and the like, uh, Clark one. And that I guess like there's no rocket science that goes into it at the end of the day for the average person. Like um, some people can get super nerdy about it and very technical if they want to, but you know, it can be applied to pretty much anybody um, as far as like fitting it into your lifestyle, it's nothing too crazy. And like you said, it just kind of compounds over doing it day after day. And that kind of becomes your new norm. And before you know it, yeah, it's just kind of the lifestyle that you live. I hate that term because it's super cliche, but it is true. What lifestyle? Yeah. Well, just, yeah, that it kind of becomes your lifestyle after a oh, while. Yeah. Like every, you know, it's kind of not that you live your life as like the fitness person, but all those little habits and stuff just become built in over time before you know it more than anything. Yeah. I don't hate that term, I guess it's true because it's your, you know, your lifestyle can either be like the standard American lifestyle or, you know, that lifestyle for sure. And I feel like if it does become your lifestyle, then that's when things just start rolling because it's no longer work, you know, it just becomes habit and then habit translates into looking really good or feeling really good and, and all that damn it i had a i had a freaking thought this morning again another shower thought that was really good I need a, yeah i need a, i have a I need a notebook in the shower because i was like oh this is a good topic to talk about i was like i had like this epiphany like this is super cool and now it's gone but it went along with like not everything is so scientific you know which is true like it doesn't need to be super dialed in i don't know I've been big on that recently. Like, I don't well, know how I to, feel like, to go about it. I think, in, in to, like, I'm even, uh, I guess, kind of guilty of it. Like, it's, there's just such a wealth of information now. Um, even if you are somebody who's super into it, like, I have to even stop myself sometimes. Like, just everything that I'm constantly watching, listening to, like, your mind starts racing. Like, oh, I need to apply this. I need to apply that. And it's like, you kind of get lost in the, of, like, Hey, wait a second. Like maybe, um, you know, don't change it if it's not broke or don't fix it if it's not broken type of thing. Yeah. And, and a lot of what they, when you really boil down a lot of, a lot of the stuff, you're like, Oh yeah, this is just common sense, but somebody yeah. spins it on new way. Or the fact that like our lifestyles are so pathetic now, unfortunately, that it seems like, <laughs> you know, it's like 
earth shattering when Huberman's like, you should look at the sun. And people are like, you know, millions of views. Like, he's saying, look at the sun, you know? And it, it's kind of crazy, crazy how popular yeah. just that one little thing has become in the last year. I mean, so. whenever I listen to his stuff, all of, like, not to, and I think he would agree, it's like, none of this is crazy. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, this would have just been standard practice. People were outside working by the time that the sun was coming up. So they were exposed to some and they did laborious jobs throughout the day. They ate whole food. They probably didn't eat right before bed because there wasn't the really the snacks and everything that we have now. Yeah. I don't know. None of it's great. It's kind of funny, though. It's uh, I like that he backs up with the science, you know, Um I know we've harped on this for like every single podcast or I have because it's my I've just been pissed off at the science community for being such freaking there's such ball humbugs about everything. And I was <laughs> if there's like, no even randomized control trials for it. Right. Yeah. Even just like yesterday. And I love Lane Norton and I'm not even picking on Lane. I'm actually more. There was more people who were resharing his post where it was about ice bass. Did you see that? Where he was not. basically he's basically dismantling like he wasn't. He wasn't saying ice bass are bad by any means, but he was just talking about it in terms of hypertrophy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, we all know that. Even the ice bath proponents say, like, don't do it right after you lift because it might blunt your hyper, uh, hypertrophic response because you need some amount of inflammation. But, like, so I saw so many of, like, science people that I follow, like, reposting it, like, yeah, ice baths are bullshit, you know, no science. And I'm just like, well, that's on hypertrophy. Nobody in like, you know, nobody in the community is saying get yourself into cold water is saying do this to grow muscle. Yeah. Like Lane's talking about it in one small thing and that's his world is muscle growth. But yeah. these people are talking about the neurological and psychological and, you know, those kind of benefits. And Huberman's talking about the release of dopamine. He never talks about it saying like, if you go in an ice bath, you're going to be the next Ronnie Coleman, you know? <laughs> so like... <laughs> Yeah, I just like they, I don't know. And then I'm also like, you guys are just so upset all the time. Like, you know, the quacks who say crazy stuff and are biohacking and made fun of, they seem like pretty happy people. Maybe they've got to see. And I, I was thinking that this morning because I went on a walk out to get the mail and I looked up and somebody had red lights in their house. And I was like, it's funny. I was like, another biohacker. And yep. then I just thought about how people hate that term. And they're, I, I literally like follow some people who say, like, call them like anti biohacker. And just all their posts are so negative every day trying to like talk shit about something that a biohacker said. And I'm like, what a miserable existence that you just sit around mad at somebody for trying to help themselves. I don't know. It's like I think that it's gone too far. The, yeah. It's like politics in the exercise science community, basically, where everyone exactly. has their camps, right? And they're just so dug in. And basically, I've, their um, existence is just to shit on the other side or disprove their theories or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's, um, how do you say it? I don't know. It's the biohacker people there are a camp of them you know that are almost dangerous i guess not even really the biohacker it'd be more of like the pseudoscience like the natural pass and stuff and and not that all natural paths are bad by any means but like that community has historically been seen as like dangerous because those are ones who like will miss a diagnosis and tell you that you've got heavy or yeah like heavy metal poisoning or magnetic allergies or something like that when you know they miss a, a cancer diagnosis and i understand that that's dangerous but Somebody like, I don't know, Huberman or something saying like, get some sunlight and get some cold water and make yourself uncomfortable and exercise. Like, come on, we don't need to be attacking those people just because somebody kind of remotely close to them said some other quackery. I don't know. It's just crazy.
It is, man. And again, it's like, I feel bad for the average person that tries to like siphon through all of it. Cause I, again, even for people that are a little more educated on the topics, like it can be overwhelming. And then you're trying to like, well, should I be doing this in combination with that? And like conjunction with this. And it's extremely overwhelming when you try and try and boil it all down, uh, which is why, like, again, for most people, it's like, Hey, let's, even like when we have patients that come through Merrick, like let's not try and throw the kitchen sink at you for getting healthy. Like we pretty much know how to do this, you know, in almost a standard fashion. Like there for most people you can find an you know easier approach to make this work for them without even factoring in all the ice baths or anything like that. Like hey, yeah. let's start getting good exercise. Let's clean up your diet. Uh, start getting good sleep every night. We'll start there. If you can do that for six to 12 months and you knock it out of the park and you want to get a little more granular, we can go from there. But, exactly. Yeah. But that's what's going to get you 98% of the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just true. There's just an over information overload that confuses so many people because every single post is people fighting against each other. One person talking about, like you said, a super granular, like marker. And then the next yeah. person saying, like, that's bullshit. And then it's like, what do you know? Like, it's so hard to to tease out what is actually factual these days. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It sucks. Uh, and I've been listening to a, like a Tia's podcast tour, obviously with this book out. And I just always love when he goes back to like, nothing's good at the end of the day, nothing is more of a um, super drug than exercise is. And like, that's what I wish most people would get from, or I hope that they pull when they're listening for him. Like, you know, obviously your diet, your sleep, all these other things, those are a major part of it too. But like, you know, increasing your VO2 max, being physically strong, like that's going to increase your lifespan and your health span, uh, you know, much more to more of an extent than anything else with. So at least just pick one of those, like just start there. Once you get that down, you can start adding in other things from there. Absolutely. And I think the diet thing's even huge too, but it's so easy that diet's probably what people have the most struggle with, but I feel like yeah. it's literally the easiest thing just because it comes down to like the quantity, well, both quality and quantity, but I guess people get so tied up on micronutrients and macronutrients. And like the only macronutrient I think you really need to re- think about is protein. Yeah. So hit your protein requirement, fill in the rest how you like, try to get your foods from whole foods, you know, try to cook your food rather than eating it out. When you do eat out, try to make leaner options, you know, get the chicken breast rather than the fatty steak. Like, but it's so easy. For, I don't know. That's from me. That's my bias because it's now I'm what, 15 years into this, but I don't even have to think about it. You know, I don't track my food anymore. Tracked my food for five years straight. Like I tracked my food for probably seven, eight years total, but I did one five year streak once on my fitness pal. And on that five year mark, I, I stopped, but I haven't since, and I didn't gain or lose any weight. You know, I've always maintained the same physique because it's pretty intuitive and I don't do anything special. I don't eliminate anything. I guess there's some things I don't eat. I don't eat like highly saturated, like fatty foods. No, I've never been a real fan of steak. Interestingly, like I like beef. I like ground beef a lot. I actually like like the carne asada, like the thin, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the super lean steak I've always liked. I've never been a fan of the fatty, even when I didn't know anything. Even when I was a, like a kid, I I didn't hate it when my parents made steak. So I was like, this is just gross. It's super fatty. Yeah. I know people love that. It tastes that way, too. Uh, yeah, I'm like you. It just tastes Are you? Like yeah. It always makes me yeah. feel like 
made me feel gross too. And then I felt like I feel bogged down and weighed down. But recently, because I ate chicken for probably 15 years straight, I hate chicken recently. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. Like I'm trying to. We've, I've just been eating almost all exclusively like 96.4 ground beef. Yep. Yeah, mine's that or uh, 93.7 ground turkey. Because I'm oh, like yeah. you, I got so used to chicken for years. And I can't remember the last time that I've actually like cooked chicken at home. Uh, the only time is like if we're out to eat and I have you know, grilled chicken club or yeah. something like that. So. I almost always get grilled chicken when I'm out because that, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't, I can't, I don't know what kind of beef they're using when I go out, unfortunately, unless they say, which rarely they do, but you can order like a filet and know you're getting a pretty lean cut. But, yeah. um, if I go to a steakhouse, I almost always get fish because I don't really cook fish at home mm -hmm. and they usually have a really good salmon dish and salmon's delicious. I just don't like cooking it because I don't like the house to smell like fish. And then <laughs> that takes me uh, back to the years of prepping of just like stinking up places whenever I'd bring tilapia or food. I was never a fish cooker, up. really. Uh, I made I've made fish probably 10 times in my life. Like, yeah, even when I was trying to get lean and stuff, I wasn't a, a tilapia eater, I guess, kind of. But yeah, probably fit into that 10. And I would bake it, I think. Yeah, like a tilapia. I'd get them from Costco, either the yep. tilapia or with some other white fish and just bake it or pan fry it. But I hate the smell. Yeah. And uh, gosh, what the old uh, wives tell of the tilapia making your thin skin, the old bodybuilding lore back in the day of like when people used to eat tilapia. I always yeah, that's what Jay Cutler said. That. Yeah, right. Uh, just funny stuff like that. I mean, I guess it probably does. It just comes down to you have less fat, you know, like you go, you go from eating red meat, which, you know, they had steak or whatever. So their fat content was probably pretty high. And then you drop to you switch your protein source over to tilapia. So you've dropped probably like with how much they're eating, like 30 or 40 grams of fat, mm -hmm. you know, so that's nine calories per gram. Like you dropped your calories pretty significantly. So I'm sure that's when you start to lean up a little bit more and they, and it feels like your skin is thinner. So technically just yeah. not anything actual in fish that's doing it though, other than it being leaner. That reminds me of like yesterday I had a, a guy who wanted to be, like harder and, and mm -hmm. stuff. I'm like, man, like that's such a bogus term, dude. I'm, I promise you. <laughs> like it means leaner, you know, like he was like, you wanted Anavar to be harder. And I'm like, that's not really, I, I understand where he's coming from because every single message message board and forum and, and everything will say, you know, Anavar makes you harder or something. And I'm like, no, you just, it's when you're lean, you're hard. It's not like it does that's anything true. specifically to the muscle. I was like, the only thing that I've ever seen actually have some weird magical effects would probably be trend. And even mm -hmm. then it's like, it's, it's not as magical as you would, would think, but you can kind of leave every variable the same and start seeing some differences in your physique where like, if I were to continue on my protocol right now that I'm doing where I'm like only lifting twice a week and my food is like, you know, I'm not in a caloric surplus or a deficit. I'm just pretty much at maintenance. If I were to add in a, like Anavar and Winstrol and whatever you would say would be a quote unquote hardening drug, I don't think my physique would really change. I think I might get better pumps at the gym and you would see some more vascularity yeah. probably Strength due to increase too. Yeah. Yeah. When I did work out, but I don't, I don't think if all, all variables as far as nutrition and diet or nutrition and exercise didn't change, I don't think I'd notice anything. And I know yeah. that because I've done it multiple times where I add in drugs and that's the only variable that changes and the other stuff doesn't. And my physique didn't really change. Trend is the one though, that you wake up and you're like, 
whoa, like I wasn't this lean yesterday and I feel like I've got like veins through my abs. And or I you always, don't really wake up. You're up all night anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's it. You're just burning calories all night. because Yeah, and sleeping. sweating. You're, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've always, especially with super androgenic compounds um, like that, I always kind of wonder what the mechanism is as to kind of why. Because, again, I hate that term, why you get the hardening effect like that. Uh, but it's not really so much that. Like maybe just like it's, I don't know, because in the areas that you have, you know, more androgen receptors, like maybe it just causes those to pop a little bit more. So it looks like you're harder. I, I don't really know. Yeah. Like I think it the... just is like, like anything hardening is usually ran during a cutting phase. And I think it's just maybe accelerating the fat loss and you're getting leaner. Yeah. yeah. But like getting lean, isn't something that you really need drugs for, in my opinion. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I guess it goes both ways. There's some people who argue that like more drugs while getting lean so you can preserve mass. And then there's others who argue it's not hard to cut and you really don't need much. Uh, I don't know which camp I fall into. I definitely fall into the second. Cause I mean, just now, like being able to maintain the amount of size that I do taking True. such a low dose of tea, I look back at like how much I would use going into shows. I'm like, man, I could have <laughs> saved myself a lot of hair probably if I had just probably ran like a base of 150 milligrams of test and like super low dose trend every other day, or maybe not even use trend, just some Anavar and some Mastron, like at very low doses. It's just, I think it's again, like you throw the kitchen sink at yourself and then it's really like, well, what's actually doing any of this? Is it really just because I'm getting leaner and using any kind of any catabolic drugs? Like it's probably just those together and I could probably cut out two or three of these compounds and get the similar look or get the exact yeah. same look. 100%. That's my argument is I really think that it's people just are getting leaner and then they're saying it's a hardening agent or whatever because, yeah, I mean, with, with Anavar too, at this point, I'm like... I don't even think it has a ton of utility other than reducing SHBG and increasing free testosterone. And if you're already on testosterone, your SHBG is going to be low and your yep. free is going to be high for most people. Yep. So I don't know how beneficial it really is. I mean, and I guess I know some people don't agree, but it could. Um, I mean, I guess it maybe acts as a little bit of an AI in the sense that it's making obviously raising like DHT, which then counteracts like the estrogen at the receptor. So like maybe in theory that could make you a little bit leaner or give a little bit of a leaner of appearance. Um, so who knows? Yeah. Just kind of like, uh, I know yeah. EQ, EQ will lower e E2 levels too. So, you know, all I know is like when he was talking to a super nice guy, I, I liked him a lot and he wanted, we've all gone through it, but I was just like, so happy I'm not there anymore. Like, cause he was <laughs> talking about, about like, something like that. Right. Yeah. He was like, you know, I, I wake up and I can tell, you know, I'm holding on to a little bit of water retention. I'm like, man, fuck. I remember that. Like, I would be like, I was super lean and I would be like, oh, you know, I think like my lower ab line is a little bit blurred today. And I would like, just like, you know, think about that and it would bug me all day. And I'd be looking at my abs every time I went yes, to like a bathroom dude. mirror. Yes. yes, I just don't even do that anymore. I, I weigh myself maybe like once a month at this point and it's right next to the bathroom. But I'm like, no, nah, I don't really care. Yep. And every now and then I weigh just to be like, huh, that's crazy. I'm below 200. And then yeah. I just don't, I forget. Yeah. I, the last time I weighed myself was 199. I, I don't know. It's weird yeah. that I don't obsess about that stuff at all anymore. Yeah. When I go to the gym, I'll look and be like, oh, cool. I'm actually always surprised. Like, I still look all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't, I don't miss that obsession. 
Yeah, for everyone listening, Adam always acts like he weighs 25 pounds nowadays. <laughs> and then when you see him in person and work out with him, he still has like a crazy physique. So I don't have you a hear crazy him, physique. <laughs> <laughs> to me, he does. Um, but yeah, it's funny you say that because like when you think about it, how much we probably obsessed over those things back in the day. And then you see other people do it now. It's like being on the other side of the fence. Like, oh, I wish I could just like talk to you and get it through to you. But I know like you kind of have to learn on yourself, like, okay, or learn by yourself. Like, all right, this really isn't that important. Um, yeah, maybe but, it is important for them, yeah. you know, and yeah. I don't want to downplay that. Like for some people, it really matters a lot. And that's cool because I've been there and I understand. Mm -hmm. I'm just glad I got out of my system. That's how I felt about like partying too when I was young because I partied like, even before high school and then during high school and a little bit after but then i was just like i got so much out of it like so much of it out of my system that like in college i was just like i don't really want to do this like yeah. I, i've been there and done that it's not that fun for me anymore i've experienced that and now i'm happy that i'm in that part of my life again too like that's cool i understand you're doing that and it's fine but i'm so happy i don't have to do that anymore yeah and I, and I agree with you that for some people it is important and like, I'm happy that they get to go through that phase and enjoy that part of it. Um, it's just more like, I hope that everyone like through their fitness journey eventually gets to the other side of it again, to use a T as an example of like, you start viewing it through the lens of like, Hey, at the end of the day, this is all just about increasing like my longevity as a person. And it shouldn't be so hyper-focused on, you know, if I'm a little, bloated this morning or, you know, leaner yesterday, like those are all factors to it, obviously, but just starting to view it through a lens of, you know, Hey, what is this doing for me uh, long-term as far as allowing me to live a better life? I guess some people don't care about that, right? Like even bodybuilders, like, you know, Ian we Byers know that been, a lot of bodybuilders yeah. don't care about that. That's true. I mean, some, I think like for a while they were kind of under the they kind of pretended like, well, this is what I'm doing is like fine, you know, mm -hmm. and now there's at least some people being like, no, I realize, you know, like Ian Bayer is one who came out recently was like, no, I know what I've done to myself and my longevity. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to kid myself. And I think it was because did you see that he got thrown under the, like a lot of drama about him because he said he talked bad about TRT kind of and I didn't really disagree with him. Did you hear it? Actually, no, I didn't. What did he have to say? He basically, so I, I'm probably going to butcher the whole context and things, but I think he was just talking about guys going on like TRT at 65 or something like that. And he was like, mm -hmm. well, you're not supposed to have high levels of testosterone at 65. Like, you know, you're not, you know, you don't necessarily need. And he was basically just saying like, he wasn't saying he disagrees with testosterone, but he was saying that there's a difference between like longevity and and ramping up your testosterone and being jacked all the time. And that's what mm -hmm. the, the thing came up. But everybody was like, Ian attacks TRT. And like, he's not necessarily saying that. He's just saying that like ramping up androgens and longevity don't necessarily go hand in hand. You know, yeah. oftentimes they diverge, you know, they're two different things. And yeah, so actual TRT, which is we always harp on, is different than steroid use. But I think a lot of people think of steroid use and it's like, that is not healthy. I wish I could get people to know that. Yeah. That same guy, you know, that I'm talking about, he came in with like using testosterone and his levels were like <clears throat> 16 or 1700. And he's like, mm -hmm. this is optimal, right? Optimal. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm like, I hate that term. And even, I mean, our, our thing, Atlas optimization, but like, yeah, I'm like, I'm getting so sick of this term optimization and optimal. Cause like, 
well, what are you optimizing for? Are you optimizing yeah. for a shorter life? <laughs> are you yeah. optimizing for a disease state? Are you optimizing for longevity? Are you optimizing for muscle growth? Because this is all different. So is a 1700 optimal for life? I don't know. Like maybe, maybe not. Is it optimal for muscle growth? Probably better than 400, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so the, the whole optimal thing is getting old. That and longevity, those are my two like buzz terms that I'm just like, People don't even know what the hell they're talking about. I yep. get so sick of hearing like growth hormones great for longevity. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? What when yep. you say longevity, you mean because like acutely your hair, skin, and nails look better. And so you think that it makes you look younger and that somehow means that you're living longer. Because you know, if you look at all the literature and those who are really into longevity are always trying to suppress growth hormones, suppress IGF one, suppress mTOR. So like using growth hormone for longevity is, is very counterintuitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, and you're right. I mean, the term to, and like optimization, I still, I hate everything when, you know, it all falls back on it's so person to person, but it's true though. Like what's optimal for me might not be for you, or it may be, you know, that point in your chapter in your life, like having a higher T level, maybe over the normal physiological range, if you're competing or something yeah, that's optimal for that. But yeah, for a long lifespan or health, health span, even probably not. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's such a buzzword. Same with longevity too, but yeah, you know, it's just one of those things. You have to change the cell. Gonna have to change the S corporation title to just yeah. Atlas. No, yeah. no optimization. Exactly. No, I don't mind. I like I like the term optimization, but it's in my what I consider to be optimal, like optimizing for a better life and a longer mm -hmm. life and a more fulfilled life is kind of what I get, but. Yeah, when that when he asked me that question, that was the first time I actually thought about well, well, what do you, what are you optimizing for? Because you know, muscle growth and longevity are two. No, I'll take that back. Muscle growth and longevity go hand in hand for sure, but excessive muscle growth through drugs and longevity go in two different paths. Well, there's a point of diminishing returns for anything, right? Yeah, like I mean, you could uh, apply that to really any factor. You know, even if it's like. Uh, someone who's a crazy performance or endurance athlete, like, yes, having a higher VO2 max, great aerobic fitness is going to be great for your longevity and health span. But I'm sure if you're consistently running over a hundred miles a week for years on years, like that's probably going to have some detriment on you down the road. So, you know, I think balance. Yeah. Especially if you uh, do it at the expense of muscle mass too, like somehow mm -hmm. you're able to maintain both. Um, a lot of people aren't like, you know, there's a lot of people who are runners who look like, you know, you can literally see their bones. Yep. Like you're about to run a marathon. I'm sure you'll see those guys where they're running their little delts are so skinny and you can see like a slit between their little biceps. So they're just like, you know, they're like the size of my fingers on their arm. It's wild looking. Yeah. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, you got a really good VO2 max, but if you fell during this run, you're, you're done. Yep. Well, and it's uh, actually, I love the episode with Andy Galpin with uh, Huber memories talking about that with uh, the identical twins that they had where uh, the one guy had like a much higher VO2 max, um, I think than his twin brother. Um, but, you know, basically of course, like, you know, he was healthier in that aspect, but when you looked at their physical strength uh, against each other, like they were almost identical and the brother, the one brother never worked out at all. So like, 
showing that you definitely can put, you know, way too much emphasis on one area and completely lack in the other and pretty much almost be the same as a sedentary person if you're you know, yeah. looking at them head to head like that. So yeah, definitely Crazy. a balance of all of it. Going back to the um the sixteen hundred late testosterone thing, there's a where for those of you listening, we've been talking, or I've been talking to Dave Lee, which I really like his stuff a lot. Um, he's a, I don't know what you even call Dave. He's just a cool guy. He's a really wealth of knowledge. He's kind of in the hormone the optimization wonder, space. Yeah. Um, one of our, a few of our PCCs are friends with Dave and Dave has done some stuff like educational stuff at Merrick and we're hoping to get him on here soon. And I was talking to one of our PCCs and he was like, yeah, yours and Dave's thoughts on testosterone differ a lot. And I think it's going to be an interesting conversation to hear you guys. I'm like, how do they differ? Because I didn't think so. And then he was like, well, let me just preface that with like, when I see you in your exams, the things that you say to patients about their testosterone levels would differ from Dave's in that, you know, like maybe you'll tell people the upper end that they should get to is like 900, maybe a thousand where Dave would have no problem getting somebody to 1400 with like a 35 free and then he was like, if, if X, Y, and Z, like lipids are good and, and, uh, insulin is sent. And I'm like, exactly. That's my point is like, unfortunately, most people, if you were to say, Hey, we can get your testosterone up to 1400. That's the only thing that they narrow in on. And then everything else goes to hell. And I see it all the time. And so I think 14 or 1600 certainly can be optimal for health and longevity if everything else is dialed in too. But unfortunately the vast majority of people don't. And what I, what I often see is like metabolic health will usually improve with testosterone. And I would guess it's just by the mechanism of probably increasing lean muscle mass, mm -hmm. having a better reservoir for glucose and lowering fasting glucose and improving insulin uh, sensitivity. But when it comes to lipids, they almost always get skewed in some fashion. HDL almost will always be suppressed. And how you feel about that, it kind of depends. Literature isn't really conclusive on HDL, but I do see LDLC and ApoB tend to trend a little bit higher on a lot of these guys. Mm -hmm. So that's always my hesitation. But if you're somebody who's completely dialed in, like my labs now, you know, my ApoB is like 30 last time I checked, super low. I don't think that if I were to, excuse me, if I were to have a testosterone of 1400, I'd really be like in danger of anything with having, you know, low inflammation, low uh, fasted insulin or good insulin sensitivity and low lipids. So it's just hard because I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think it's detrimental to have like above a, say a 1200 if everything else is okay? That's tough. Uh, simple. I mean, because I do agree with you, right? That if all the other variables are in check, um, you know, then you could theorize that, okay, you know, maybe this isn't a big deal, but then I just always wonder too, like, is that a lot of oxidative stress, maybe even like elsewhere on your brain in the body to have that high of an androgen level that most men would never walk around with natural, naturally, um, and just like affecting your day-to-day -day life and your ability to calm down and sleep well. And so uh, that's always kind of the factors that I worry about when you start really pushing the envelope with your hormones like that. Like, is it just putting you in too much of a sympathetic drive at all times, regardless if all heart health parameters, you know, everything looks great on that end. Like, what is that actually doing for me in areas that maybe we can't just check a blood test for, right? Yeah. Yeah, the way I kind of look at it is like if it looks like a number 
that somebody like a healthy young individual could probably get to naturally, which I think 1400 falls within that. I think there's certainly, you know, like 16 through 20 year olds who, if living a very healthy lifestyle, probably have around that, you know, I don't think it's rare. And I've even seen guys come in with levels that high, just, you know, in mid age. And they're, they're, the funny thing is, is that they're usually pretty scrawny guys. It's like, it's such a weird, like, paradox like i've seen so many guys come in thinking i have low testosterone because they're scrawny and they can't put on weight and they have super sky high it's really weird like Um, i told you about the 61 year old guy the other day i saw that had almost 1100 natural test level oh yeah and you said he had all the symptoms right yeah and just i mean was not you know not talking anything bad about him but was not like a super jack guy by any means so yeah. yeah Yeah, Derek has a friend and he's talked about him on, you know, his uh, on his show, not to say his name or any kid remember his name, but he's got a personal friend who has always ran high. And then I saw him, too. I saw his lab. I'm like, holy cow, like these are really high levels. I think we're talking like 15 plus. And he God, was like, it's crazy. And he straight up told me, like, I've always had a really hard time putting on muscle. <laughs> and he's like, it's so weird to me. I don't get it because every time I've ever gotten my tests done, it's super high. And I was almost like do you have like an issue? Like, is, is there something going on with your pituitary that like you're overexpressing LH or something? I don't know. Um, but yeah, he's like, I'm not very good at putting on muscle. And, and I always, uh, so that's, we're getting off track, but I've always, I've said it over and over again. I'm not hundred percent convinced that testosterone is the end all be all when it comes to growing muscle. There's so many more factors there. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, a, I think if you can just to finish, like, I think if you can fall, fall within what would be a normal human range. So, we're going to talk like 1400. Okay. That's probably the upper end of what would be normal. But if you're going to talk about like 2800 or 3000 at that point, I think we're definitely getting into dangerous territory. Like you said, even if you do everything else perfectly right, as far as lipids and insulin and inflammation and everything, there's probably still some component of the androgen that expresses some bit of detriment on like, you know, your neurology or, or something. Yeah, absolutely. But again, like you said, it's, it's hard to know because, uh, you know, I guess, and I even have to, sh- you know, change my thinking on it too, because I always kind of like, ah, most guys don't walk around with the level of a thousand, but now, you know, working at Merrick, I've seen it a lot more actually than what, you know, was, I really thought that was like a, you know, very few and far between or outliers, but there's plenty of men that do walk around with that. So trying to remember sometimes that like even ranges and labs are like, not normally used as far as a range for healthy young individuals. So there are plenty of guys out there who do keep themselves healthy and a good lifestyle. So they achieve natural levels that high. So yes, maybe putting on a guy on exogenous tea to get them to that level is not actually detrimental. Um, But again, everyone is uh, much more sensitive or not as sensitive as well to high levels. So you kind of have to factor that in also. Yeah. So what I wonder, I'm like, is it really a, true metric of like absolute health is that you know like Mm -hmm. because i've seen very healthy people with lower levels who perform really well and so i just don't know and wish there was more data on it i know we definitely have data on things like unhealthy states or disease states usually correlate with lower testosterone levels and i think that's where we get the idea that um it is like a, a metric of health and i could see it to an extent but When you're within normal physiologic range, and I would say probably actual normal physiologic and not what we consider on the lab work. So in my mind, I would say a normal physiologic range, like I would probably say 400 would be the low end. And Mm -hmm. then 
maybe like a thousand would probably be high end for what would probably be considered normal not the 200 to 900 that you know like labs are saying now and i'm sure it'll just continue to drop unfortunately but i don't think there's a lot of difference between like a 400 and a 700 and that's what i I always try to talk like tell people that i'm like dude i don't think it's worth it for you to do this right now because i don't think it's going to be that great you know going from a 400 to a 700 if you start getting into that two like 300 200 one obviously you need it but 400 to 500 600 700 probably not a lot of difference probably not a lot of difference between four and 800 i don't know that's i mean i felt it myself i there and i have a lot of patients who will tell me the same like they get on like i don't know i don't feel that much different you know which is why i think like it's kind of cool now with uh you know like uh gorilla mines like sigma product that has the fedogia agrestis and tongata lee in it that actually do like for a lot of guys give them a you know, maybe one to 200 point boost on their natural levels. Like, so I, if any guys that are kind of curious about tea that are younger and probably not somebody I would push that route. I'm like, Hey, go try this out. Like actually, you know, do blood work before and after and like, see how much of a boost you get. But like, if you do get that 200 point boost, like it kind of gives you an idea of like, Hey, maybe like this as to your point, wouldn't be that huge of a difference, right? Like yeah. maybe my sex drive is up a little bit, but it's not like every single day I'm just throwing on new slabs of muscle. Right. So yeah, I would doubt that they're, I doubt their sex drive even goes up if they have a hundred point increase or 200 point, you know, 200 point would probably be, I feel like a 200 point increase using an over the counter product would be insane. Usually yeah. it's something in the, in the ranges of like 25 to, I don't know, a hundred points at most increase. Yeah. I'm like, what a fucking gimmick. What a waste of money. Like there's yeah. no difference. Yeah. I can't tell the difference between any of the levels of testosterone usually until they get to obscenely high. And then it just start, you start feeling like a different human being and it's not in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think even too, like even when guys starting tea, when they, you know, kind of like we always say, like there's that Goldilocks phase of it, of like everything just feels great, increased sex drive. It's probably just because it's such an accelerated change. Like, you know, you're boosting 400 points and your body's just not used to that. So it's like everything becomes more sensitive, but then as our bodies love to do, it wants to find a new baseline and that 900 becomes your new baseline. So it's not like this crazy sex drive at all times, right? It's just your body eventually gets used to that and is not so sensitive to that level. You know, all your receptors kind of just become accustomed to it. A lot of it, I think, because I know in myself, a lot of it was always placebo. I get, yeah, I think, I, I definitely think that testosterone is so so mystical to us because it's illegal and it's uh you know you've always just heard of like testosterone you know it just seemed i was like my hands were shaking the first time i I grabbed a vial of testosterone (laughs) i literally drove eight hours to get my first vial of testosterone from a guy um i had a a girlfriend please tell me this story it wasn't anything too special but i had a I had a girlfriend at the time whose friend or her, yeah, her friend had a boyfriend and then, you know, we would go to dinner and then we started kind of working out every now and then. And we started talking about like wanting to do something. He's like, I've got this buddy down in Fresno. So maybe it's not eight. I don't know how many between where I was in the Bay area to Fresno. I think it's probably four or five hours, but I think round trip was like probably mm-hmm. about 10 hour trip. He's like, yeah, I got this buddy down in Fresno. Who's, who's got some testosterone. Like we can drive down there. And so, you know, we lied to the girls about why we were going to see this guy. And then, dude, I was so nervous. And it was so sketchy, too. Like, he, 
he sold the friend, my friend, like some growth hormone, which is probably wasn't even growth hormone. And he mm -hmm. was like, yeah, I'll get, I'll give you a shot right now. And he literally, he reconstituted it with tap water. And I was like, at that point too, I was just an undergrad, but I'm like, I don't think that's good. <laughs> yeah. Cause I'd worked yeah. as like, a, I worked as a medical assistant and you know, we would do things with bacteriostatic water and stuff. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure tap water is not a good, good look here, but uh, he, and then not he like a good reconstituting there. agent. Holy crap. Yeah. And then I bought like a vial of testosterone for like a hundred bucks, which is insanely expensive. Don't ever do mm -hmm, that guys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I got home and I was super scared of it. So I took pictures of it and stuff and posted up on the forums and like four people were like, that's fake. And I was like, fuck. And they were like, yeah, this is a shitty brand. It's fake. And so somebody who was, uh, somebody who told me that it was fake. We started like, you know, private messaging. He's like, I'll send you some more. I'm, you know, it was just a, competitor probably mm -hmm. and so that's when i got into the whole black market of ordering online which i did well he was like i think at that point he was just ordering from another lab in an ugl he was just a board member and then upselling me yep. and then eventually i was like huh like this is i forget what it was like gino or genotech or genova or yes lightning yes. yeah all those brands i'm like pretty sure I, I saw them as a sponsor i think this guy's just getting it from them so then i just started mm -hmm. going to the source but First time I did inject, man, I was so nervous, like just holding that. I'm like, oh my God, this is like, you know, this is drugs. This is like the, the thing that made like Ronnie, Ronnie and, and JJ, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to turn into that. Like no one's going to recognize me. And then I ran like a 16 week cycle or something. And at the end, like everyone recognized me. People would just be like, oh, you're, <laughs> you know, you're looking a little bit bigger because I was just bloated. You know, I had moon face. Yep. yep. I put on some weight. I got a little bit stronger, but I certainly didn't turn into what I thought I would. <laughs> It, which like for most guys, I'm like, I just want to save you going through that basically. And like yeah. being disappointed or, you know, not think, or, you know, having the letdown of like, oh, this is going to make me a superhuman and just you know, transform me into one of those guys. Um, and even if, it, you know, I guess the way I look at that, I'm like, even if you were that 1% that maybe could get there, like, is that the best route for you? Like, or could all that time and energy that you put into that be used elsewhere? Not to crap on anyone's dreams of that, right? But like, hey, I don't know. Maybe um, all that could be used uh, for something else and you still could be jacked and look amazing, but oh, yeah. not have to completely shut down your endocrine system and, you know, give yourself the long-term issues that come along with that, obviously. If you're one of those 1% that could get there, like you can look awesome natural because I've seen all the dudes exactly. who are, you know, the Olympia guys when they post their pictures of natural. And at this point, they have no reason to lie. You know, like why would Fuad and, and Ian who have both po posted pictures of when they were natural? Like, why would they lie now? They openly talk mm -hmm. about all the gear they've used for years. So like I, I saw Ian post one time of I think he was like 20 or something like that. Like, it's insane. It would like what he looked like as a natural like teenager would have been the like epitome of like what every and all drug and perfect dieting and everything for me would have ever got me. Mm -hmm. Like it was awesome. I was like, damn, that's a physique that like I would never reach. And that's just what they hit naturally, you know? So when you add some little bit of drugs into a physique like that, it responds. But, um, a lot of us just don't have that, those yeah. genetics, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's not yeah. the, to downplay the biggest part is that they work really, really, really hard, but it's hard to, if you don't have those genes, you're just not going to do it. It just doesn't work because I've yeah. done everything right before and I'd made progress, but I wouldn't have been able to get on the stage. You're one of those. I think that you fall into that category that you probably, um, you know, you could have one of those elite physiques for sure.
stay on bourbon yep. a lot. Po- possibly. And I always wonder too, with a lot of the um, guys that you see, obviously that I've like the 1% genetics, like if there's a factor of starting early in the sense of training hard in an, a young age, um, because I feel like myself and guys like Ian, like actually started working out like consistently and training properly and like dialing in their nutrition at a pretty young age in comparison to maybe some guys who like get into it in their twenties. So like maybe there's something when your body is still just so like malleable to things, you know, when you're just hitting puberty, like really adding in that outside stimulus that like, just for some reason, like gives you that boost that then kind of stays with you because you're doing it during your developmental period. I don't know. Nothing to base that on. There's kind of been curious. One, one that would go against that there would be like Justin Shire. Have you seen him? I'm not familiar with Justin. He's um, he's one of Fuad's athletes. He's got a like. He's probably got one, one of my favorite physiques that I've seen in bodybuilding for a long time. I think he's going to go far, but I think he's like my age. Like he's mm-hmm. about to be 35 or something, and just started like maybe four years ago. He was uh, really big into BMX for like his whole life. So I mean, he exercised, you know, and he had a decent physique going in just from being a lean bicycle rider. Mm-hmm. But he started, he didn't do like his first cycle until like, I think he said three or four years ago. And he's got an, an amazing physique. Like yeah. he just hit his, pro, he got his pro card last year. He's doing his uh, pro debut debut this year. And I think he's going to do really well. But yeah, he's just one of those hyper responders again. Like, you know, he got really big without steroids. So when he added them in too, and he didn't add them in until he was like 32 or something like that. Like he trained for a few years naturally and got a really good physique and then added them in he did it the smart way yeah he's i think he's got the uh he's got the the luck of of starting at this in this time period too where like his training is on point like him and fuad are always arguing about the training because he's one of those ones where he keeps a notebook and like he is progressing you know, like a fractional plate on every single lift that he does. Everything mm-hmm. is progressive overload to the T with him and then his diet's teed in and his drugs are low. And, you know, he's never done anything stupid like most of us did. So coming up in this day and age, things are, it's a lot easier to do things healthy and efficient. Yeah. And that actually brings up another point that I always wonder about, even when like I was coming up that, uh, you know, obviously the things I know about training and nutrition now too, I would have applied differently, but also just like less amount of drugs early on. And like, maybe that less like, you know, oxidative stress on your body actually would have been better for growth too. that like maybe throwing so much at yourself sometimes actually hinders you just because you're so stressed out. And I definitely think that guys nowadays, obviously with what we know about just, uh, you know, how important the recovery is too from sleep and all those things, you know, factoring that in with great training that uh, following a, uh, I guess just, I hate to use the word optimal, but optimal drug protocol is actually better for them long-term and actually maybe allows them to grow more too, just they're not so chronically stressed. Yeah, you're right. I think was that was I talking to you recently about like all the back pumps and everything and how mm-hmm. terrible it was on, yeah, on training, man. It will really Awful. screw you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I had to stop so many workouts due to the terrible pumps. Like leg days, always like if you go hard on the leg day on a lot of drugs, like on some orals on on things that are going to cause that pump, 
it's miserable. Like if you put your back in that position on the leg press, that's like the fact that pros do the workouts that they do on the amount of drugs that they do. I'm always like, wow, you're a tough motherfucker because that, that pain, <laughs> it's debilitating, dude. Like it hurts so bad. It almost makes me want to like cry. It's so painful. I yeah. remember I'd just be rolling around in agony. Like, Oh yeah. my God, when is yeah. this going to go away? Because it feels like someone just shoves like a rod up your spine where you can't move. And it's like, it's burning and also like a ton of pressure and your glutes are tight. Like trying to drive home is usually the worst because mm -hmm. you're stuck in that position again. And I'd be like trying to lay down and ride like a gangster. And I'm like, around. <laughs> I look like a tweaker because I'm moving all around yep. like trying to yep. get comfortable. And yeah. everyone on the forums would just tell you to take some taurine and taurine. suck it up. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, I took a shit ton of taurine, never yeah, did a damn thing. Never did a damn thing. But it, in retrospect, though, it's like now looking at it, it's like, wait a second, like that totally goes against my goals of what I was trying to do. Like this is supposed to allow me to train harder and more efficiently. And so like, why would I be using such a dose that gives me that, you know, issue basically because it's hindering my ability to go in and train and feel, you know, or feel my best too. Yeah. I mean, like viewers can't see right now, but Josh's physique is insane right now. Both Caleb and I, another PCC who Caleb's competed in bodybuilding, he's big into it. He understands drugs and training. Both of us were like, dude, you look like you're on a full blown cycle right now. <laughs> so like the fact that you're able to maintain that on a low dose TRT, talking about like an 80 to hundred milligram TRT, that like spits in the face of all drug use really. Does and it makes again makes me feel so silly looking back on all the stuff that I did because I'm like, man, like I again could have saved myself a lot of hair and probably some money on a tra hair transplant here in a couple of years if I had just taken things a little bit easier, right? I guess the argument then though is like what came up with Clark is could you have hit that physique had you not done the cycles and everything, and now you're just able to maintain it. You know, and I, I would actually fall into that camp, which is why so many people, when they find out that I distance run now, they're, you know, their first question, how do you maintain all that mass? And I'm like, well, I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, obviously <laughs> back in the day, there was some things that I used that allowed me to get to a three <laughs> that I never would have had it not been for those. And do you so, just tell random people who ask you that? Oh yeah. No, I, I'm really? honest with every, absolutely. I'm nice. like, Hey, I, I don't want to sell you the dream here and make you think that like, you're going to start running 40, 50 miles a week and like build this crate. Not that you can't do that. I don't want to poo poo on anyone's dreams, but I certainly don't think had I not built that mass with the help of performance enhancing drugs beforehand, uh, I wouldn't be able to maintain it now. And, you know, even with a guy like uh, Nick Bear, who, you know, we both presume is natural and, you know, based upon all the things that we've seen that he puts out online. Um, you know, I, I think, again, if Nick had not spent so many years building a big physique through hard training and the bodybuilding life cycle, lifestyle, he would never be able to kind of maintain what he does now with the distance running. Like you have to do one before the other, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think too, usually I'm harping on TRT isn't that great for a lot of stuff, but I think it probably helps you in a way too, to maintain that. Because mm -hmm. if you think about like the training that you're doing right now for this marathon coming up, Nick is prime example of this. When he trains for marathons, he posts up his numbers, like, you know, his gonadotropins are virtually zero and his testosterone was 100 last time before his um, show, which he was running alongside. Like he's, he said that, you know, his testosterone has been, in like below 300 for years while he's been doing all this running. And so Nick's pretty small too. You did not get anywhere near as small as Nick did. Nick almost yeah. had that runner look like you could tell he had muscle and he's bigger than most guys running, but he still wasn't as big as you are. 
Absolutely. And I think the fact that you've had TRT in the whole time and your levels can stay at 700 24 seven and not yep. dip due to training does benefit you. Oh, so uh, that's a, yeah, that's a, a pro to TRT for sure. That's the one thing that I've said, and I've said it like publicly, like Mark Bell, you know, they asked, is there a benefit to a 700 natural TRT or, I mean, a 700 natural testosterone versus a TRT 700? Um, in my opinion, the one benefit is that that natural 700 sometimes is 500. You know, we know that it can fluctuate 200 points throughout the day where, and the TRT 700 is 724 seven, especially with more frequent injections. And so theoretically, if, if the level of testosterone really does help determine muscle mass and everything, you have a greater, you're more under that curve. You know, there's more time under that curve of that peak of testosterone when you're on TRT rather than when you're natural, cause you're fluctuating so much. Yeah. 1000%, which is why I'm excited because I think I've told you before, like, uh, whenever my wife and I start trying to have kids that I'm like fully prepared to try and come off tea and, you know, see if I can restart my own system. And I would love to see, like, obviously be able to tell the difference of like, okay, can I maintain the same physique if I can somehow get to a natural 700? Like, what are the differences there as far as just recovery and things like that? So you're going to shrink up, man. Hey, maybe I will. But it'd be a good, like, representation for people to know, like, hey, you know, even some, because there are some people that try and kind of claim like, oh, you know, I'm basically natural. I have the same levels as a natural guy. And I'm just like you in the same camp of like, eh, hormones are pulsatile. And if you have basically the button that just allows you to do a slow bleed at all times, it's very, very different than comparing yeah. yourself to a natural guy. Yeah, that's true. Because I oftentimes will be like, I have natural levels, basically. So I do, but I have 24-7, always optimal numbers, yeah. you know, so... It's yeah, a cheat code sense. a little bit. It is. It is. You know, speaking of who looks bigger than Jim, Derek posted a picture this morning. He was with uh, Jesse James West. They're doing like a giveaway of Gorilla, and he was like a jacked. I texted him and I was like, "Dude, you look you look thick." And he was like, "This is my one workout a week physique." Like, <laughs> this dude, is, Derek uh, is jacked, especially if you look at his older. He's stuff, a tall dude, you know? dude, though. He is. He's, he's so like fucking a six tall. two, I think, or six one, six two. Yeah, it's crazy. But he, yeah. his arms look good for one workout a week, which is what I've been maintaining too. One to two workouts a week. Yeah. You yeah, can do I it. I saw the stuff with the person who won't be mentioned, you know, kind of there were a few people online, like giving him a hard time for his physique now or something, but saying he doesn't train that hard. And I'm like, that's just not his focus anymore. Right. Like yeah. he's, he spent the last five years pouring everything into building his businesses and Merrick and gorilla mine. Like, that's just what happens. So your focus changes sometimes. And if I did the same, my physique would look drastically differently than it does now. It's just so, yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he I told him. Look at his other stuff. He looks incredible, like when bodybuilding was his focus. Exactly. I told him, uh, shit, we'll say it. Nick Trujillo. I was like, Nick Trujillo is going to make a video on you again. More plates, more dates. Doesn't know how to work out like episode <laughs> two. But it's like, yeah, whatever, dude. Who cares? The, yeah. the dude is like. He never, I don't, I mean, he's made like one video on training, you know, like how to get good delts. And I mean, he had good delts, but yeah. that was never his focus. His focus is no longer about training. It's more about longevity at this point. Like, and if you know the guy, I know that like he really cares more about longevity and the science of it. And that's why he started Merrick. Um, but even his focus on YouTube channels was never like, you know, he was never picking apart 
training protocols. You know, he was more interested in the science of ingredients of supplements and steroids. And it just seems like such a petty thing to like shit on somebody about too. Like, uh, you know, oh, their physique isn't is what I picture it should be because their ex person or their training isn't like this. Like, who cares, dude? As long as he's doing what works for him and he's happy with his physique and he obviously applies the principles that he teaches everyone else about. He's one of the first people online to ever do that. Then, you know, that's that's all that really matters. And again, that goes back to like the thing of like fitness does not always evolve around how you look like there are guys that look incredible that actually from a health perspective are drastically worse than a guy who, you know, looks like he works out, but actually like really dials in, you know, factoring all his blood work looking good and dialed in nutrition and sleep. And like, actually from a health span perspective, that person's probably in quotes healthier, I guess. So it's not all about that. True. That was actually another thing I wanted to to talk about was like dealing with hatred and hate on the online, like how to do it. And like how it affects you because yeah i mean i the nick just posted that recent video about me hating on me and that was my first like well it was i've had some hate online recently just because i've been getting more popular and that's a it's a tough thing to deal with man yeah tell me about know. that because obviously i'm just kind of the sidekick dude here too yeah like tell me what that was like well the first the first time or the few, first few times I've had to deal with it, like one was when I first went on Mark Bell's podcast and mm-hmm. the, the overwhelming, probably 99% of the comments on Mark Bell's podcast were really good. But there was the occasional person who was like, fuck this guy. He doesn't know anything. You know, he said, he said cavemen like died early. He doesn't know shit or something like that. I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. And, but it's so hard. Like, even though you're just like, that's an absurd comment. It just like, I don't know. It fucks with me a lot because I'm yeah. like, there's never been one time in my life ever that I'm watching a YouTube video or an Instagram video and I see things that upset me or I think are stupid all the time. But when they upset me or I think they're stupid, I swipe away because it really doesn't impact me that much. Mm -hmm. For me to take time out of my day to comment anything good or bad, like it either has to be like a really good friend that I have some good feelings about that I want to give some props to or like to think about what would what there would have to be to make it so I would comment something bad about that person. Like I would yep. have to be so upset by that human being. Yep. And so I'm just like, that's how my mind works. So when I see that, I'm like, wow, like I've really hurt this person. Like this person really, really dislikes mm-hmm. me. And even though I don't know them, it's so hard to, uh, yeah, it's just really hard to fathom that like, wow, I, I made this person super upset. But at the same time, like not everybody thinks the way that I do. I was just having this conversation with uh, Victoria the other day because what was it that I saw? Oh, Chris Bumstead posted a picture of getting a tattoo. And yeah, uh, and yeah, and Max Tuning, who is friends with Chris, commented on there, good luck getting a real job with all those tattoos, loser, or something like that as a joke, you know, because that's yes. Max's. <laughs> there yes. are so many people that are just shooting off comments at Max, like, you idiot, like he's made so much money and everything. And it's just like, I just thought to myself, like, how stupid are people that, like, before you decide to write something, maybe you would click on Max's picture and then, like, see who this person is and then see, oh, even in his last three photos, he just did a podcast with Chris. They're buddies. This Mm -hmm. must be a joke. Let me go on about my day. But instead, people are just, like, they don't even think and they just start throwing off shit. Like, the first thing comes to mind, let me text it down. So that's not me. But the fact that there are those people, so... Like we've also had, like I did the the collaboration with Merrick on the marijuana post where I said like, 
these are some ways that marijuana may potentially affect your hormones. Like that one got a lot of hate too. Like so many people just fuck this guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Like faggot tranny. Like all this uh -huh. stuff. <laughs> I actually <laughs> did like, take the time to comment and defend you on that one. That one annoyed me enough too. It, it's so crazy. I'm just like, what? Uh, okay. But it's just weird to me. But then I think again, like that person probably doesn't even remember writing that because people these days just yeah. like spew trash as it comes to their mind. And yeah. it's weird, but still it does bother you. And then when Nick made that video, man, I was super scared, honestly, about that because it just made me like, God, like this sucks. Like I'm just now starting to get some traction. I'm trying to do everything right. You know, like trying to, I just want to be a voice of like reason in the community and help people to do things safer. And I certainly don't claim to be an expert in anything. And I don't think that I'm anything special whatsoever. I'm just somebody who has done things in the past that I think are stupid. And I think that I have learned some ways that people could avoid the stupid mistakes that I do. Absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be holier than thou. I'm just trying to be like, Hey, these are some things I picked up along the way. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, what I'm doing is good overall net good. I'm doing good for humanity. And then to have somebody like knowing a video is coming out about me that's just completely talking shit about me for you know an hour, I'm like that messed me up for a little bit. Yeah. That's kind of crazy, but I don't think it ever gets better too because I don't think there's anyone who truly doesn't get affected by people talking bad about them or having bad impression of them. You know, uh, absolutely. And like, I mean, I I think it's super easy for you know, anyone that hasn't been in that position, just say, Oh, don't pay attention to it. Right. Or don't read the comments. But to your point, like you're putting time and effort into this and what you, the work you do with patients and the things that you're putting out online through Atlas and other avenues like that matters to you because you're wanting it to be helpful. You're coming from a good place doing it. So then to see someone just crap on you, like you're basically trash on the side of the road or just, you know, a terrible person, like, it's hard to, I think, take that, especially when you're coming to it or trying to do it through a, some goodness out of your heart with some goodness yeah. in your heart. I think we all, I mean, the whole social media, um, damn, keep burping, dude. It's freaking, I shouldn't drink coffee while I'm uh, doing podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think like social media as a whole just plays on the fact that we as humans love validation and we love to be adored, basically. Like, mm -hmm. you know, we... And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, everything that I post, I want other people to like me. Obviously, that's the whole point of it. It's like, you know, this this feedback yeah. loop of, of I post something I'm proud of and other people tell me they're proud of me and and you want that. And that's, well, humans need it. We And mm -hmm. so when like that gets disrupted though and you put out, you're kind of vulnerable and you put something out hoping that you get a good return and somebody shits on it, it yeah. hurts a lot. I can't believe that so many people do it because I don't think there's anybody out there, if they're being honest, can say, yeah, somebody can talk crap about me and it wouldn't affect me whatsoever. You know, that's a lie. Yeah. I mean, I even I talked to Nick Bear recently because I asked him, like, how do you deal with all this? Because, you know, you're somebody who has been like shit on for years. And he was like, no, dude, it really hurts me still. I mean, what's he been in the game now over a decade? And, you know, he's grown an empire. At this point, he's literally hit like that point where he can just be like, fuck you, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, like he's got, he's literally got fuck you money at this point, you know, yep. like everybody yep. knows who he is. The dude has been on like, he's been on news channel. Like he's, he's respected worldwide for the accomplishments that he's made. But he told me like, no, every single comment still hurts me to when mm -hmm. somebody is on there saying that I'm not natural and I'm lying about what I'm doing. It still hurts to this day, the same that it did from my first video on. Yep. And it's crazy. Like it doesn't go away. 
I think the only way to do it is like what Rogan told, um, told Derek is just don't even look. And that's the only way you can, but I can't, I almost get addicted. Like, yeah. I think, I think to this day, I'm still looking at the comments on the Trigilli video. Like, did anybody else say anything bad? And yeah. like, or did somebody defend me? Like, I hope they did. And like every day I'm like, Oh good, there's another one defending me. It's yeah. just crazy, dude. I don't think I'll ever be able to deal with it or not look. Yeah. And but that's I, me I, being perfectly honest. Like I'm not cool. I, I, I can't be cool enough to not care. No, and I love that you're vulnerable and honest enough to admit that because there's a lot of people like, oh, it doesn't bother me, right? Like, I don't pay attention to it. But yeah, it's it's the human factor in all of us that to your point that, you know, that's what social media is all based on is like that positive feedback. And we want people to tell us like, yeah, I really appreciate that. Or you're doing a good job. Or I really got something positive from what you posted. And I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, it's almost like humans are built to have community and relationships with people. And now we just have a way to do that, obviously, in a much uh, larger scale online like that. Um, so it is hurtful to like just have somebody take a completely personal shot at you or question your integrity, like with someone like Nick saying he's lying or like Nick and them did with you questioning your credentials or what your motives are and things like that. When you in reality know, like in your heart, like that's all a lie. And, you know, the yeah. fact that you can just put that out there and no one checks you on it or no one gets to just take it down because it's not true. Like it just seems very unfair, but um, you know, another caveat to that is I think it was also pretty cool to see how many people immediately jumped in and defended you because like I was texting you when it was going on, it's pretty evident for anyone that knows you or has interacted with you from PCCs to patients at Merrick to anyone online that's watched your stuff. Like, you're very true to your core message and don't ever deviate from that. And it's very obvious that, you know, this is not just like, uh, you know, self-fulfilling type of thing that you're trying to go about and say, oh, look at me. It's just, no, I am in a blessed position to have medical training, but also have gone down the same avenue that others have. And now this is my platform to try and help other people not make the same mistakes or go about things in a healthier manner. And again, I don't think anything you've put out or in the way that you interact with patients ever deviates from that core message. So without being too long winded, your work speaks for itself. In that yeah, regard. I appreciate that, man. And it, yeah, like I told you, it was overall a really net thing for me because when that kind of stuff does happen to you, 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 I don't know, you're exposed to those who actually matter and who actually care about you. Mm -hmm. So, like Merrick was the team at Merrick was just like it just reinstilled in me like all the things I knew were true about Merrick. I mean, you know, the the day before Derek had wrote me saying like, Hey, I think the next video is going to be about you. And, you know, and, and just came, kind of gave me some words of wisdom because obviously, you know, he's, he's transcended this stupid pity shit. You know, he's, he's now hanging out with the Rogans and stuff, but still, you know, he gave me just some words of wisdom on how to deal with it, what to, you know, which was awesome. Really cool that Derek took the time out of his day to say that to me. And then all the leadership at Merrick were sending me, you know, messages like voice messages are calling me and telling me, you know, how much they had my back and cared about me. And then all the PCCs, like a few of the PCCs wrote me things that I literally was like choking up on. I'm like, oh, my God, like, thank you. That's incredible that you feel that way about me. And then all the people in the comments who defended me, I'm like, OK, that's cool. So like any other thing in life, you can always pick how you react to something. And that's cliche. And everybody says it. And yeah, that's, it's easier said than done to, you know, everybody says like, it's not, 
it's not the actual thing. It's what you make of it, you know, or how you react to a situation, which is a hundred percent true. But to be honest, that's extremely hard to make a tragic thing, you know, positive. But if you do try, you can, you know, now what I got out of this was, wow, that was a really great experience for me because I found out that those who I work with, who I, I knew I loved, like, I know that I really, really love them. They love me. And that's awesome. And then my fans are awesome. And what I'm doing here is real and good. You know, so that was cool. I, I got a lot out of it that way. But moving forward, I know as we pick up eventually soon, our you know, our comment section will probably be riddled with hate. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to be able to deal with it very well. You know, yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'll probably get to a point where I just block people who comment bad things on our posts, you know, I'll just delete and block. You know, it's like what Fuad does because it's hard. And I don't know, I don't know if anybody yeah. out there has any advice for, you know, dealing with the haters, let us know. Cause I have no idea. I think, and the hard part for me again, too, is that's just not me. It's not my nature because I, I am legitimately happy for everybody who is succeeding and I'm legitimately mm. happy for anybody mm. doing cool shit. I'm even legitimately happy and excited for anybody not doing cool shit, just existing. Like I pretty much love everybody and until otherwise, you know, <laughs> until proven otherwise. And yep. I am a, I'm a dick to some people sometimes. And Victoria would be like, no, you don't feel that way. You talk shit. About <laughs> <laughs> and I do, but at the same time, like I genuinely like, like people, I was on a walk yesterday, yeah. Victoria and I went a walk and somebody just, you know, every neighbor that we passed was like, Hey there, you know, hi. And I thought to myself, like, you know, it's funny is that in every video, if, when you watch on like a town, you know, like moving to a town, everybody will say like, even if it was like New York or LA, they'd be like, people are genuinely nice here. Mm-hmm. I'm not, a, I've never was used to that until I moved here. And I'm like, no, that's everywhere. People are just genuinely really nice in person. People are pretty nice to each other for the most part. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of side tangent. But the fact that I feel that way, like when I look at Nick, Nick Tragilli, really I, bad things don't come to mind whatsoever. I'm like, that dude was a really impressive bodybuilder. Whenever I see him pop up now, I'm like, I still think like, damn, that guy's got some badass arms, even for not lifting. Mm-hmm. I think he's like, <laughs> he's got a really good physique. He's built his channel because I remember seeing that channel a year or two ago that was really small. And I only saw it because other people commented on it. Like I watched bro chat and things and I think they would comment on it. So I went back and looked and I'm like, Oh, this guy's like, like 20,000 followers. Something wasn't big. And now he's like, you know, made it over a hundred and he's doing really well. And so I just, have always thought like, I don't, I just don't think bad things about people. And that girl who was talking, um, Corey or whatever, I had seen her. Like, I think one of my buddies, one of my really close friends reposted herself one time. And I thought, this is a really cool girl making awesome content for females. And I still feel that way about them. So I don't know. I guess if they feel if I don't know, if there's people out there who who enjoy talking bad about other people, I guess I feel sorry for them in a way, you know, because it's just what a terrible that's how I feel about like I talked about all the anti, you know, or the science guys who are like anti biohacking. I'm like, I kind of feel sorry for you that your whole day is spent on how can I like tell these people that they're quacks and make content like yeah I did, and I decided to like I never want to be that person like I've made content in the past where I you know kind of shit on like Paul Saladino never again I don't think I'll ever do something like that again because it just seems stupid to me like yeah. I think in Paul's heart he probably feels like he's doing really well uh or he thinks he's doing good and I would see that and I do highly disagree with him <laughs> you know like I think I think his and my thoughts on like lipids are are on two ends of the spectrum and I couldn't disagree with him more, but I don't think I ever need to go out and call him out by name and say what he's doing is wrong. You know, it just yeah. seems stupid to me and petty. And 
and he's a really good person, I'm sure. And so I don't know. Yeah. And I think I love that you're hitting on that end note of like it because it's always talked about like I can love someone and highly disagree with them, you know, like politics at a family gathering or something like that. But, you know, with the guy like Paul, like it's obvious that he's super passionate about what he's putting out there and nothing that he's doing is coming from a place of malice. So, like, again, like. I, I can disagree with that, but that doesn't mean I have to dislike him or attack his character or anything like that. Like that's the cool part about this space is that we can all disagree and continue to educate one another through those disagreements or, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, um, long in depth conversations when those yeah. disagreements occur. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I dislike him or have anything bad to say about them. And sadly, I think that's kind of the space now is like, that's what gets clicks, right? If I put that in my title that Paul Saladino sucks or Dr. Hotchkiss responds to Nick Tregilli and says he sucks, like that's what's going to get the clicks. And I love that, you know, you and I have kind of taken the approach here of like, that's not what this is going to be about. Maybe that's what the algorithm responds to. And maybe that's why people are drawn to do that uh, because it's what gets attention. But there's nothing positive that really comes from that in the long term because we yeah. can all exist in this space and get along with each other, um, but still have disagreements, but not question one another's character. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if we ever resort to shitting on people, please, followers, like, you know, leave send us, us hate back. comments. That's why yeah. we deserve them. <laughs> and uh, remind us of this. I think it's episode 10. Remind us of episode yes. 10. We said we will never do it. But yeah, I mean, like about Paul Saladino, I think. I, when I, the thing that I guess I've that's bothered me with him is like I'll watch his short form content and it's like seems so crazy. You know the things that he says are just like so so abrasive and like to the fact. And yeah. then I listen to his long form content. Like you know I listen to him do a podcast and I'm like this is an extremely rational dude who like you know really has a really firm grasp on all of this and. Yep. And I guess that's like where I would disagree with him most. I'd just be like, man, I wish you would post that. But I think it was, I think it was Lane Norton who maybe it wasn't when, maybe it was when Liver King got exposed. Lane Norton said, I don't blame Liver King. I blame you guys, the consumer, because Mm. it was because of you that he said the things that he did. And, or maybe he said that about like Paul Saladino or something, but he was like, I'm sick of this. Like, you know, the fact that if Paul Saladino comes out and says like, you know, vegetables are killing you that's going to get a million views but if he took a nuanced approach like he actually feels like when you listen to his long-form content he'll say some vegetables for some people may cause you know gi upset and inflammation and removing some of those vegetables may help some of those conditions you know if he made that real it would get two views nobody would care the consumers don't care about nuance and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and so i think I don't want to speak for him, but my guess would be that he's used that like kind of clickbaity, um, like abrasive type short form content just to get the following to then listen to his longer form. Yeah. I'm sure that's what he's done because yeah, a lot I mean, of people have. Yeah, yeah. I it's mean hard because I don't want to that sometimes when we do reels. Like we've talked about that, the like it's gotta be short and sweet, like something that kind of catches you. So it's hard because that's like what's rewarded but that's not really the conversations that we all want to have i know it sucks yeah like the marijuana one that i post i'm like hey you guys realize i don't agree with any of this shit i like if you read my if you read my actual uh the uh, post underneath that i wrote i was basically like yeah none of the literature actually supports this like 
for every piece of literature that says testosterone is lowered smoking marijuana, there's another piece of literature that says testosterone is increased by smoking marijuana. And so in my opinion, we have basically, you know, we don't have any conclusions when it comes mm -hmm. to that kind of stuff. But that one got us how like, you know, I think we went from like 400 followers on the Atlas page to like 700 or something from that post alone because it went viral because it was so, you know, inflammatory that it got so that's the only one that it. my friends remember i think for many of our posts is my bachelor my buddy's bachelor trip that i went on a couple weekends ago i heard about my addiction a million times over that's and give it so but to your point like that's what people are drawn to right yeah it's crazy man i don't know i don't know the answer because i don't want to resort to that kind of stuff but no. i guess we'll just keep putting out solid content that is nuanced and and uh i don't know we'll grow maybe eventually because there are good examples to the contrary of that, that not everyone who gets big is through clickbaity stuff. Uh, there are plenty of people that we follow and love, Peter Tia, Dr. Huberman, that have those long, nuanced conversations that are nothing that just like maybe catches your eye right off the bat. But people, you know, enjoy them and their content because they feel like they're getting the full length conversation of the both sides of the fence on really any topic that they dive into and that they don't just have this, you know, hard line in the sand about anything or necessarily out there just to attack anyone else. Yeah, for sure. So I don't know. Hopefully we grow from that alone. I'm going to get man. a neon sign soon, guys. I get that today. I hope I'm excited about that. Yeah, Adam's making me look bad. Is I always I'll have to apologize to our viewers about my studio here at the home. At Devils is our home office, but eventually we will have a much better setup here, and you won't have to see my wall hanging back here. So we'll have maybe a little Atlas uh, backdrop here or something. Exactly. And if you guys are enjoying this, please hit the subscribe button and share with your friends who share because. We do, since we're not going down that road of clickbait shit and and crazy claims, you know, it's going to be harder for us to grow. So that's why, you know, I've had a lot of clients come through Merrick telling me that they love our podcast here. So if you do, please you know, reshare it and uh, like it and subscribe and all that BS, all the cliche, you know, YouTuber stuff, like and subscribe. But it actually does help because we do want to get this out and that kind of stuff does I guess, stimulate the algorithm and put us out there, leave a comment about any of this, about how you guys deal with hate or about your agreement or disagreement on our levels of testosterone being optimal and all that. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else you wanted to talk about today, Josh? Man, not really it. Um, I guess, uh, what's it, anybody that is a you know a fan of Merrick or anything all doing Nick Bear's uh, race this weekend, down in oh, Round yeah. Rock. So if you watch the podcast or Patient America or fan of what we do there, you know, say hello to me. It'd be great to meet anybody. Um, stoked to come down and do Nick's race. So hopefully that'll be a blast. But uh, yeah, to Adam's point, like obviously all the support and anything that you guys can pour into this helps us grow. If there's things you're curious to hear us talk about, like always throw those in there too. I know we're always looking for different things as far as topics to dive into. So, you know, just Really want to give you guys uh, great, you know, different nuanced conversations that you enjoy, um, but also want to grow from everything else that you guys maybe uh, give us insight into that we haven't thought about yet also. How many people are going to be doing the race? Do you know? Uh, it's only, I think, 300 people total. So it's a really small okay. group. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's uh, it, a, go ahead. It's BPN. Uh, it's like a BPN sponsored event or what? Mm -hmm. I'm guessing, mm -hmm. obviously. 
Yeah. Is it going to be yeah. big, you think? Or are you actually going to be able to hang out with Nick if you want? Uh, I would imagine that we'll be around most of the people. I mean, that was kind of their idea behind it. I mean, I it sold out within like, I think 10 minutes of it being up. Like I was immediately on there. And I think that was their idea of like, hey, this gets to be a real personalized like type of thing where you really get to be surrounded with the BPN crew. Like they do most, th- most things. Like Nick's done an awesome job of like building a really solid community there. I feel like with a lot of their customers and people who support the brand. So it's yeah. uh, going to be on a private ranch outside of Round Rock. So really neat experience. I'm excited for. So I'm sure awesome, a couple man. miles in, I'll question why I'm doing this. Like I do every race, but all in all, it'll be a blast. We should do a live podcast while you run. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have my selfie stick going yeah. the whole time. Right. That'd be fun, dude. That'd be it cool. Would. You're going to kill it. That's awesome, yeah. man. Proud of you Thank for you. that. And Nick Thank is a you. badass. I really like Nick. I, I, uh, I've liked Nick since his inception and I kind of fell off of following him. I've kind of fellow followed him peripherally, you know, you'd hear about him in the fitness community, but now that I'm getting back into like the content creation through this, you know, I start to look more at what are other people doing and seeing what Nick is doing, like freaking awesome dude. So hats off to him. I hope that, yeah, I hope you get to meet him and talk to him. He's a really, really, really cool dude. Um, I don't know what else to say. I think think that's probably about the end of it. Uh, Oh, how are you liking uh, Leftovers? I made Josh watch Leftovers on HBO. Dude, it is like, there, like you said, so many things that I can't figure out that's going on, which I love in a show, but just so many different variables of like, all of a sudden, like, they don't really even like, slowly introduce you to some new plot twist it just happens and you're like well that doesn't make any sense right like even spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen the show like when i realized his wife was part of the white coats i was like well that that, what the heck like what happened here and we uh just got through episode three last night Um, so a lot of questions to be answered which probably won't be but great show and appreciate the recommendation super cool show i love it because i like the premise in that so the premise is, uh, which isn't a giveaway, is that everybody just kind of like we're half the population or something just disappears one day, just like poof, like, you know, yeah. Josh just disappears. and I have no idea what the hell happened to him. And then so in Christianity or religion, there's the rapture where, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jesus, God, whoever takes off some amount of the population to, you know, good people to go live with him in, in the heavenly kingdom or whatever. But that can't be true. And they kind of point on that because there's so many, there was like rapists and murderers and things Mm -hmm. that were taken. So they're like, well, these weren't divine heavenly people. And then science can't figure it out. And so maybe that was my shower thought this morning because I did want to ask you about leftovers. Uh, Like, you know, there's so many things that just work sometimes that no dogma, be it science or religion or whatever, can can, um, can explain. And that's why I like it a lot because that's my favorite show for that reason, because I love living in the gray. Like in my day-to-day life, I'm very black or white, you know, like I'm, when it comes to science, like I know there's black and white things that work and don't work. And I, but when it comes, I don't know, I also love living in the gray. You know, I, one of my majors was sociology because I loved that, like, you know, the gray stuff, you know, how to, why do humans do what they do? And and there's not really a, a scientific explanation sometimes, you know, it's, it's cool. Yeah. That was fun. I, I like that part of it. And um, I also like the idea that I get in. I'm thinking you can obviously answer if I'm incorrect on this, but it seems like they uh, are doing a good job of setting up. Like there's people that maybe you view in a negative lens at first, but as the show goes on, you start to understand like, Oh, 
I can see how you get there or like how this tragedy affected every single person differently and mm -hmm. how that could then lead you to that point and more to what you're talking about. Like, that's kind of how it is in life. Like, it's so easy for us to say oh, that's right or that's wrong. But like, hey, if I had the same things happen to me or I lived in your shoes, like I could easily see how you got to that point. So maybe to use the word nuance again, like everything is a little nuance. You never really it understand is. how somebody gets to a place unless you've lived there or walked that path yourself. Exactly. And the other show I told you, so another one last bit before we go, the show recommendation for everybody beef on Netflix, super good. It's like a all Asian cast. Um, super interesting though, man. I We loved it. Like we, I think we watched the whole episode in, or the whole season what's, in like two days. What's the premise of it? It's, um, there's a there's a guy who is um, like in a parking lot one day and he's like leaving. He just has a bad experience trying to return something. And you can just tell that he's like down on his luck and he's trying to return something at like a home goods store or something like that and just kind of gets shit on by the, the clerk. And you can just tell he's like having a shit day. And he goes to his old beat up truck and like gets in and he goes to back up and he didn't look, you know, so somebody behind him in this super classy white Mercedes almost hits him and she just lays on the horn like insanely like you know crazy and he's like jesus christ lady and then she pulls away and stops and then she like flips him off and then he's just like oh fuck this you know like i'm at it so they kind of get into this road rage with each other and then from there trickles down this whole like beef like you know having beef with each other which i didn't understand victoria had to tell me that i'm a dumbass i guess so like i wonder why it's called beef and she's like because they have beef and i'm like oh okay. <laughs> is this <laughs> where i, I get was... to call you old that you didn't understand the term yeah i didn't really understand. i was like well because like their art that they put up too is super crazy like before the episodes and i was just wondering like man this is so weird anyways um so yeah they the whole show basically it really centers around, I think, like depression and dealing with life in general. And it shows there's this chick who has done everything right in terms of her career. And she's now like, you know, on the verge of this multi-million dollar deal to sell her business that she's worked her whole life to get. And so she should be, by definition of what we consider, you know, success, very happy because she's done everything right. She's got the perfect husband, the perfect daughter. She's selling her business for millions of dollars. She should be very happy, but she feels very depressed, basically. And then you've got this other guy who has a shit job, a failing maintenance business, like makes stupid decisions with his dumb cousin and, you know, doing everything wrong that you would just be like, yeah, no, duh, you're unhappy. You know, your life sucks. But they're both feeling the same exact thing. And so it was just kind of cool to see, like, it doesn't really matter how much money you have, like what socioeconomic status you're in, where you came from in life. Like we all have these experiences and and we all are just humans, which I thought was really cool because I don't want to give anything away. But you get to see that in both of them. And that's what I saw from it. I was like, I think this is just a really good exploration on like the human condition in general and what we all deal with, regardless of what we have, regardless of who we are, where we come from. You know, we all have self-doubt and self-hatred and and a lot of all that, you know, so super cool. Just a, a lot of fun to watch. And they did a really good job. I'll have to check it out. And, I mean, recommend. Again, to kind of like with the uh, what we're talking about with the leftovers too. like the human condition is just so hard to understand. 
Um, and, you know, it's so easy for us to look at how somebody else's life plays out and think that it must be this way or, you know, I would feel this way if I was in their shoes. But we just never know. And we're actually much more similar probably than we all think as far as the thoughts and fears that we all have on a day to day basis. I know even in our space, sometimes there's a lot of people that I look up to and think like, man, if I was just there, I'd probably feel so cool and like I made it. And then you hear them talk about some of their personal experiences. And it's like, wow, I can't believe you're dealing with that with like every all the success that you had going on. You would just think that that like blunts any of that. Uh, but exactly. You know, emotions are very strong and yeah. um, tragedy you know, like can Nick, hit you at any point in your life too. Exactly. Like Nick saying like, no, the haters still bother me. It hurts me to read yeah. when you would think like, dude, you're making millions and millions of dollars and you've got everything you could ever have wanted and you've made it. Beautiful family. Yeah. 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 You've got everything, but one negative comment still hurts him the same way that it hurts me. So it's true. We are all the same. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll leave it at that. We're all the same. We all love you guys. We understand what you guys are going through. And that's our hope is to maybe be a, I don't know, be it, just be a friend on the other side of the screen. Cause we definitely are. So I appreciate everyone listening for sure. Yeah. And for you guys to be our friends, don't be mean to us. Exactly. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't be mean, please. I don't like being mean to people. It sucks. All right, there man. I will double digits guys, uh, Atlas hour episode 10. Oh yeah. Atlas hour and a half. I wonder, just to make it clear, we're going to go over an hour sometimes, guys. Yeah. Just it's a catchy term. Like it could be Atlas Hours sometimes. Maybe we'll throw an S on this when we go over. <laughs> it's just to draw you in and then exactly. you get stuck for two, two, three hours. Exactly. See you guys. See you.